Won't be happy. Eat a steak. Man, woman, and child did that. Put him in the aisle. Get the lingerie off the deck. Welcome back Woo! to uh, a, a, a movie-themed episode of Ensemble Sports Talk. We're, we're going to start, we're going to talk a little bit about the Oscars, because they happened last night, and then we're going to rank uh, our, our each of us, our individual top five sports movies. So. Yes, I was going to say, there, in the past week, has not been a ton of sports news. Or major sports news. With the exception of baseball. Well, baseball's just getting played. So. Yeah, so I mean, I was going to say, in, in that sense, it's why not do something different that is still sports-related? Yeah. So, But yeah, first the Oscars, man. What'd so, you think? Uh, well, I want to get your thoughts on it first, because I know I've seen more of the movies involved than, than you have. Uh, I can honestly say I have not seen one. All right, but I will say this: uh, Glenn Close, up for her eighth award this year, has lost all eight times. Yeah, she's she gets the most of all time. Yeah, she has the worst record of any actress. Oh, for eight. Doesn't that tell you something though? Like, oh yeah, I've been nominated eight times. I'm really good at what I do. Well, I mean, I guess I'm just not the best. That's the thing. You look at. Yeah, uh, I I thought a lot of the categories had were 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 pretty loaded with a lot of good actors and actresses and movies. Um, Nomadland won Best Picture. That's not a surprise. Chloe Zhao won Best Director for Nomadland. Uh, she's directing Marvel's Eternals that comes out later this year. So that's exciting. Um, Frances McDormand won Best Actress for her role in Nomadland. Jesus, I cleaned up. Yeah. Um, Frances McDormand also was a producer for Nomadland. Uh, but Nomadland, like... It built a lot of momentum when it came out Um, because like its subject matter kind of resonates more with a wider audience given the events of the last calendar year. And it's has kind of that introspection aspect to it. Um, And and you have probably more people who are in that state of mind currently than normal. Um, but it built a lot of momentum when it came out and then it sustained it, which usually the, the early odds on favorites don't do because just so many movies come out and like 1917 came out at Christmas of, uh, 2019 and it picked up a lot of steam for best picture. Uh, Parasite still won, but you could ask 10 people and maybe four or five out of 10 would have told you that. 1917 would win. But yeah, Nomadland cleaned up. Um, I don't really know if any other movie from the Best Picture category really had a maybe Promising Young Woman or Minari. Um, 
But a lot of these movies are movies that people just didn't see because you have to rent or buy them for like 20 bucks or 30 bucks. Which a lot of people saw Trial of the Chicago 7 because that was on Netflix. And they saw Mank because that was on Netflix. Judas and the Black Messiah was on HBO Max. And then Sound of Metal, I believe, was Amazon Prime Video. That sound right to you? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is on the Amazon Prime. Okay. Um, Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor. That was a big upset of the night. A lot of people thought Chadwick Boseman would win because uh, he won for that category at every other award show other than the BAFTAs, which Anthony Hopkins won at the BAFTAs. Um. I thought anybody could have taken that category. Riz Ahmed got nominated for Sound of Metal. Uh, Gary Oldman for Mank. Um, Francis McDormand, as I said, won Best Actress for Nomadland. Uh, I know a lot of people thought Carrie Mulligan would win for Promising Young Woman. Um, But Francis McDormand is now only the second female actress to win at least three Oscars. For the best actress category. It's almost like she's a good actress. Yeah. Catherine Hepburn has the record with four. But Frances McDormand won for Fargo. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And now for Nomadland. Um, oh. Yeah, Glenn Close, you mentioned her. She lost Best Supporting Actress to I do not know how to pronounce this woman's name. She played the grandmother in Minari, which I've heard people say that she is, she has instantly become the number one movie grandma of all time. Yo Yoon Jun? Sure. Yoon, Yoon I said, Jun? Like I said, I don't know how to pronounce it, so I, I'm just not going to try. But I respect the attempt there, Jared. Um, I know a lot of people liked Maria Bakalova in the second Borat movie. Um, I don't know what other big categories are there to touch on. Soul won Best Animated Feature. That's not a surprise. Um, Daniel Kaluuya won Best Supporting Actor for Judas and the Black Messiah. He was the odds-on favorite for that. Uh, which interesting thing about Judas and the Bla- Judas and the Black Messiah is Daniel Kaluuya got nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and Lakeith Stanfield was also nominated for Best Supporting Actor. They play the two main characters in that movie, but they were both nominated nominated in the supporting role. Um, Daniel Kaluuya as Fred Hampton was he was fantastic. Uh, another round one international feature film. That movie's awesome. And it just got picked up. Leonardo DiCaprio just got the rights to make his own version of it. Which will be interesting. Because another round is like... Danish culture is like very heavily woven into the fabric of that movie. So... It'll be interesting to kind of see what an Americanized version of that looks like. 
Um, have you seen Soul? No. Okay. Um, the first five minutes, and then I fell asleep because I was watching oh, it like so a riveting movie. No, nah, I was watching it like two thirty in the morning. So I will watch it. Uh, Promising Young Woman won Best Original Screenplay. Yo, it lost money though. What Soul? Yeah. I I'm not I would not be surprised to hear that every movie lost money. Find that interesting. Um, given that people going to theaters just isn't really happening. Uh, It's it's starting to kind of kick back up a little bit. Um, the father won for best adapted screenplay. Florian Zeller actually adapted that. He he wrote the father as a stage play, and then he adapted it for a movie. But he won Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, Tenet won Best Visual Effects. Mank won for Mank won its only Oscar for cinematography, which uh, we were talking off the pod beforehand. Uh, Nomadland was the they were the odds-on favorite to win that, but that 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 would be another upset. Mank won for cinematography. Um. Oh, sorry. Mank won for production design as well. They won for production design as well. My bad. I spoke too soon. So, uh, yeah. What 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 are your thoughts, Jude? Well, good stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> famous people were there. Um. Anthony Hopkins wasn't. <laughs> and he won. Uh, besides that, Tim, that's all I got for you, man. All right. Some movies I do want to see uh, from that participated in the Oscars. Or not participated. That got voted in for the Oscars. Uh, Which ones? I do want to see uh, the Chicago 7. Mm-hmm. What is it? The Trial of Chicago 7? Yep. And then I do want to see Judas and the Black Messiah. Because I... at, But yeah, those are two I want to see. So I say, I've seen Judas and the Black Messiah, and that's a really good movie. That's what everyone's been telling me. Uh, so I'm like, oh, I, I really want to see... It. That's, that is probably the number one movie on my list. I say, I watched... I, I, I was excited for that to come out. I watched it the day it got released. Um... But I just don't have Netflix. I want to watch uh, HBO Max. HBO Max. Um, I don't have HBO Max. Fuck. You did for a short time. Um, and then I had to pay for it for past a week, and I was like, "Nah, fam." I want to see. I haven't watched Mank yet. I want to watch Mank because I I love watching the movies that are set in like historic slash golden age Hollywood because it's interesting to see kind of how they portray all of like the names and faces that you like hear about or read about it's interesting to see how they bring them to life and then like you see and in those movies you'll see a lot of kind of behind the scenes kind of set design type stuff and it's also very interesting to see the way that they like recreate that I would agree because a lot of like a lot of movies back then were shot using well they didn't they obviously didn't have special effects for 
or they did, but they were bad. So they just went practical with a lot of things. So it's interesting to see some movies have like insane scale practical effects where it's like tons and tons of people and like super wide shots that like today you would, they, they would never do that practically. It would just be computer generated. For sure. For sure. Um, which if you want to see a movie that's like very early in the special effects game for Hollywood, watch the 1960s Jason and the Argonauts. Cause it, yeah, that's one of those movies where it's like, whoa, like this is kind of turning the corner on special effects, but it's also like you, you watch it. 55 years later and it looks like claymation and it's just like it, it's just it's an interesting thing to put in your to, to think about in your mind where it's like okay at one point this was like cutting edge well it, yeah it's it's revolutionary yeah and you're like it looks ass now but it's like this this right here is a stepping stone for what we see now on yeah. screen and it's always so interesting because like maybe every like decade or so you'll get a movie that kind of is the next like stepping stone in special effects. And it's always interesting to go back and look at those and like see how they were made or like what they did and then compare it to movies that have, that are being made like a decade later. Like I'd say the most recent one we've had where it's like, okay, this is like another like new foundation and special effects would be avatar. Mm-hmm. For sure. Because that came out in 2009, and that's one of those movies where, I, I mean, you you heard a lot of talk about it, almost just as much just for, like, you got to just go see it to just see it. It was very visually pleasing. Yeah. Um, and the thing about that is made in 2009, and the effects look still really good today. Yeah, the effects hold up. And that's, a, and that's the type of thing you're going to get with a James Cameron movie is you're going to get effects that hold up. Because some of the stuff from Terminator, or like T2, like, yeah, you can tell it's... T2, T2 in particular. Yes, yes. You can, like, the liquid kind of, like, robot stuff. Morphine, yeah. Yeah, like, you can tell that it is from kind of a bygone era of effects, but it also doesn't you watch it and you don't think you're like, Oh, that looks like that's kind of cool. Like you don't see it and think, wow, that's dated. And say the only really bad James Cameron effect. It was in the abyss. Hmm. in 1989. <laughs> I, uh, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't get over uh, the water face creature that. <laughs> uh huh. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, it's it's just a ridiculous effect that in '89 was it obviously was top notch, but yikes, yikes! But uh, enough about James Cameron. I was gonna say, I, yeah, I was about to ask you a follow up question to that, but yeah, that that Go would be for it, Tim. okay. Go for it. Have you read the? Have you read any of the stuff? Where Ed Harris talked about how he almost drowned while filming. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah, 
you mentioned that to me and i was like all right i'll i'll, I'll bite i'll see what it's about and then i read it and i was like ah interesting yeah because they would like they built this giant tank of water that they could go like way way down deep into to film and do stuff and they had to like put this they were deep enough where when they had to come back up they had to come back they had to let their bodies depressurize so they wouldn't get the bends which I'm not a diver but I still know that it takes a long time to surface when you're depressurizing like that that takes a long time so it's like you imagine like going down there however many feet deep and you're shooting scenes for however long and any time you need to surface it takes forever because otherwise you'll get like an air bubble in your veins and it'll go to your heart and kill you yeah but Tim cinema time is money dude <laughs> well there's one guarantee nobody's phone rang underwater so James Cameron didn't have to worry about that <laughs> um yeah we, we don't have to talk more about James Cameron um Sports movies. As I say, but speaking of movies, yeah, yeah, uh, we're gonna go through and give our top five sports movies, and then we're also gonna touch on some honorable mentions. So, as I say, if you if you would like to lead it off from from five. You can go five to one. And if you want to give a little blurb about why you have it, where you have it, or why you chose it, feel free. Number five. 2006 film. The most recent film I do have on my list. Glory Road. Josh Lucas is Don Haskins. Zoe Deschanel is his wife. Mary Haskins. John Voight is racist Adolf Rupp. And the one person I, I wanted to sneak in here is our friend Wayne Howells in the movie. I'm joking, he's not, but Sam Jones the third is. And our friend looks very, 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 very like Sam Jones the third. And as I say, this is, it's just a classic, it's a good basketball movie, and it's just a classic, um, I don't want to give away the ending, but, um. I don't feel like you'd give away the ending for a movie this old. Yeah, but I still, yeah, in, in, yeah, case, yeah, in case yeah, no one yeah, has seen yeah, it, they're like, ah, yeah. I want to see that because of this. That's true. Uh, but the base, uh, the the base story is Don Haskins wants to win, so he's not afraid to recruit black athletes to be on their team. 
you didn't see that very often in the southern states. So he did that. He got black athletes. They experienced a lot of shit that you would assume in the south during the 60s. And the rest is history. So Glory Road, and it has a good redemption arc at the end. Glory Road is my number five. Okay. I have a I have a Martin Scorsese movie at number five. I have, and I personally think this is Martin Scorsese's best movie. Uh, Raging Bull. Robert De Niro plays uh, Jake LaMotta. And the movie is about his quest to be the title holder in his weight class. The movie came out in 1980. It won Best Picture at the Oscars that year. And I believe Robert De Niro also won Best Actor at the Oscars that year. I And fun fact, I own... I have a... Uh, I own a copy of the original theatrical release poster. It's hanging on my wall. Um... But yeah, I say it's it's based on the life of Jay Clamata, who is a boxer, mid-century from New York. Very tumultuous personal life. Um, a one of those things where he it, it just uh, the he an inability to balance pursuit of a world title in his weight class and happiness and a good personal life. He just wasn't able to do it. It was always one or the other. This is a very conflicted person. It makes for an extremely interesting story. Um, it's also, uh, shot in black and white. So it's one of those, it's one of those movies where I think people forget that Scorsese made it. Cause it got made, I mean, 41 years ago. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. I, and it's has, it's, it, does it have anything to do with the mob? I assume that's why a lot of people don't uh, think Scorsese did it either. <laughs> it's just a boxing movie, man. Because all he does is make mob movies. And it's the same thing over and over. Oh, I said it. I said it. Oh. Yeah. And in case anybody's wondering, Joe Pesci is in the movie. <laughs> um. Yeah, budget on the movie was eighteen million. It made twenty three and a half at the box office. So, but back then that's probably pretty good. Yeah, forty fifty years ago, forty years ago. Um, oh, Scorsese won Best Director. Well, there you no, go. No, 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 no. I take that back. He's nominated for Best Picture. He's nominated for Best Director. De Niro won for Best Actor, and it won for Best Editing. That's what it is. Gotcha. So I got De Niro winning Best Actor right, so I'll take that. But yeah, I say if you <laughs> say if you Google the the poster, and it's just a very angry, sweaty, beat-up Robert De Niro staring at you like he wants to just sock you in the face and just beat the crap out of you. Well, let's see. Let's prove Tim right. 
Guys, I can confirm he is not lying. Yeah, so Google that poster. I had that poster when I lived in Arizona. I had that release poster hanging up in my bathroom. <laughs> I respect it. I respect I say, it. I don't know if you remember that from when you came down to visit. Um, I do remember it. Yes. Yeah, but it was hanging up in my bathroom directly next to the toilet. So it was just Robert De Niro very angrily staring at you while you were trying to take a dump. <laughs> Nothing better than that, Tim. No, it really Nothing weirded better. one of our one of Wayne, who Afri- our aforementioned friend. It really weirded him out the first time he saw it. <laughs> Like, yo, dude, Robert De Niro's just watching me take a dump. Pretty much. I don't feel comfortable, bro. Uh, what's your number four? Uh, my number four is a 1992 film. We're going back. Oh boy. It has Tom Hanks in it. Can you guess from those clues? A 1990 what film? 92. Tom Hanks. Oh, League of Their Own. Ah, oh, damn straight, dude. So, uh, my fourth favorite sports movie of all time. This made a case for number three. Number three and four, I can switch and I have no issue. But, uh, yeah, Gina Davis plays Dottie. Lori Petty plays Kit, her sister. It's about two sisters. Or... It's about men who go overseas to fight during World War II. The women here um, to create entertainment for the people that are still in the United States form a baseball league. And it's about the first women's baseball league. And yeah, story about that with a lot of all they experienced, all the shit they got. And Tom Hanks plays a drunk and it's quite, quite entertaining. I have a question and for you. When you're Madonna's for- in it. Yes. For all you lovers of Madonna. Um, I have a question for you about this movie. Okay, what's up? Did uh, Gina Davis, her character, is her, na- is her character's name Dottie? Or is that her yes. sister? Is that her sister? Dottie. She's Dottie. Yes, yes. Did, uh, did Dottie drop the ball on purpose at the end? What do you think, Tim? I think yes. I obviously. No way she doesn't. She's too good. I'm just saying, Tim. Well, I'm glad we're in agreement there. I'm just saying. All right. Because you just you just look at the whole movie and she dominates. Absolute dominance. Absolute destruction. But yeah, League of Their Own. Go check it out. 1992 about women baseball in the 40s. It might have the best Tom Hanks scene of all time. The there's no crying in baseball rant. As I was say, it, it has one of the most quoted, or not one of the most quoted, a very highly quoted uh, scene. Yeah, where Tom Hanks yell, yells at, I believe, Madonna, and she's crying. Yeah. His and character- a drunk Tom Hanks yells yeah. at her, there's no yeah. crying in baseball. His character's very drunk and he's eating. He's just housing peanuts in the dugout. <laughs> and he starts yelling at yelling her saying there's no crying in baseball. Um, yeah. Great movie. Um, all right. Uh, my number four 
it's it's about racing. Um, I have Ford versus Ferrari. Cars. Oh. Yeah, I have I have Ford versus Ferrari at number four. Um. And a lot of it is just for. It takes place in an era, like an automotive era that, like that's where most of my interest in cars lies it's kind of the 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 mid 60s into the late 60s those are the cars that i i think look the best and i i know the most about them but that's still one of those movies where it's like before watching it's like did i know that much about like 24 hours of le mans no did i know that much about like kind of the ins and outs of like the racing scene for that or like all the like research and development and stuff that went into building your cars and getting your teams to race and stuff. It's like, no. So it's, it's one of those things. It's like, like the 1965, like Ford GT. It's like, if you like classic cars, then that's one that, you're going to know and you're also going to know the kind of the corresponding Ferraris of that era as well. But it, it's interesting to kind of see a more detailed story that examines like the intric- intricacies and specifics of like how that car got built, why they built it the way they did and kind of where they started from and, how they got to the point they got to. It also has an incredible cast. And Americans win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The Ford Motor Company won at Le Mans with a British driver. Might be the most. Not most American thing ever, but goddamn. Um, it is a good movie. I can confirm. Yeah. Yeah, that was. A, I said that was. We we all, uh, you, me, Wayne, and Marty, we all foresaw that together. And I know it. It's it's come up on episodes of our of our regular podcast before. Um, which it was interesting to hear Wayne talk about that since Wayne is from Detroit and he grew up relatively close to the Ford factory. So he knows a lot more just about like the Ford Motor Company than any of us do. It was interesting to listen to him talk about like what he knew about it previously and what he had learned. Um, given that he already has like a much broader base of knowledge on it than we do. True. Yeah. So, uh, what what do you have? What do you have third? Uh, third is probably my favorite comedy uh, of all time. Oh. Well, we'll give you a guess, Tim. 1989 movie. Comedy. Oh. Well, I, I already know. Yeah, it's Major League. Yeah. I was going to say, it's... We're contenders now. <laughs> So, if you didn't know, Charlie Sheen plays Rick Vaughn. Bob Euchre's in it. And he's probably the best, I would argue, best character in the movie. He has my favorite. He has my favorite line. And I think 
maybe it might be my favorite line in any sports movie it's the one where uh guy hits a guy hits a ground ball and he goes oh hot shot to third dorn can't handle it um because that guy got a, that guy's got a family to think about um <laughs> I just it's just that or the scene where he has the bottle of Jack he's just drinking the bottle of Jack Daniels straight in the booth. <laughs> and he just starts cussing on the air and like this assistant covers the mic. He's like, You can't say that. He's like, Oh the hell with it. Who's listening anyway? <laughs> I was gonna say also in our uh, first iteration of our sports podcast, our intro, I had a clip from uh Major League and Bob Euchre. So go listen to that. Figure it out. Email us what Just you think it is. It's a bit outside. Uh, but yeah. Listen Two to people. that. Go ahead. Wesley Snipes is also in the movie. Yeah. She's kind of like, oh. It, yeah, has such a, it has such a dynamic cast. Well, see, the other one I never knew was Pedro. I didn't know it was uh, Dennis Halsberg, a.k.a. the Allstate commercial guy. Yeah. I didn't know that was yeah. Pedro Lee Road. Yeah. I was like, holy, what? Uh, but yeah, it's such a funny movie, such a good movie, and it is my third favorite sports movie of all time. So there's that. There's the line where they show up to spring training. They're like trying to figure out where everybody played. It's like, what league were you in? Charlie Sheen's like, California Penal. <laughs> 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 that or the. Uh, and I, I, maybe the line that I quote the most from that movie is because I say it a lot just from like playing like baseball video games or just watching baseball in real life is when anybody hits a ball. The, the, the Cleveland fans in the, in the bleachers in the outfield who have like the drums at the very beginning when they're just losing games and the guy hits a fly ball, the guy goes, and one guy's like, oh, that's gone. And one guy goes, no, too high. It's too high. And then it goes like flying 50 feet over the head and the guy goes to him and says, what do you mean too high? That's just one of those I found that at any baseball game when a high deep fly ball gets hit by the team you, you don't want to that. win, you just go, it's too high. It's too high until it goes out or it gets caught. Because if it gets caught, you were right. <laughs> and if it goes out, then it's like, eh. Got a lot of did the wind. No, Major League. Major League is in my honorable mentions. I I love that movie. Ah, see, I thought that'd be on there for you. I thought it would be uh, in your top five. Almost. Al- almost. Um. My number three is a hockey movie. This is one of my favorite comedies of all time. It's Slapshot, starring uh. Paul Newman. If you can if you can believe that. Have you have you seen this movie at all, Jared? No, but it's on the list. It's on the long list of movies I do want to see. It has it's a it came out in 1977. It's about it's it's about this super cheap minor league hockey team, the Charleston Chiefs, 
Um, and Paul Newman is a guy he gets hired as a player coach to kind of because the team is it's one of those normal trope where it's like oh the small town team down on their luck they're about to fold so they bring in Paul Newman's character to be their player coach um, try and win some games increase their popularity so they don't have to fold uh, they have the Hanson brothers it's three guys who they they bring in to be like scrappers and fighters slash enforcers and also to kind of get the crowd into the game to get asses and seats and there's uh, one of my all-time favorite movie scenes <laughs> it just shows the Hanson brothers they're skating around in warm-ups and these three guys because if you when hockey teams come out onto the ice for their warm-ups they'll do kind of each team gets half the ice and you know how they'll kind of do that lap around their half Mm-hmm. so they're, they're taking a lap and like two of the handsome brothers eyeball this dude on the other team the guy gives him a dirty look so they come around the next time and one of them just sticks his hands out and just sucker punches him right in the face and then a fight breaks out and they start brawling and warm ups which is just like insane and so then it it, it, there, it shows him fighting for like 10 seconds and then it immediately cuts to the national anthem getting played and it cuts to the three Hanson brothers who all wear glass and their glasses are shattered and their noses are bleeding and their eyes, they have all these cuts on their face, they're just bleeding all over their jerseys as it just cuts to the national anthem, they're just standing there fully at attention, their glasses just shattered into pieces and uh, just covered in their own blood <laughs> with other people's blood on their jerseys. That's I say that's what they bring to the table. It's one of those I say. It, it's one of those movies of I, I, the people. I mean, we're twenty. Well, you're you're twenty four. I'm twenty three. Um, so people our age, I'd say, probably haven't. Not a lot of people have seen it unless you're big into hockey. But people like our parents' age in their fifties or sixties will have seen it. I would re- I would very much recommend it. And say I will probably watch that tonight. To be honest. Oh, I can look up and see where. Because uh, it's on Amazon Prime. As I said, I was gonna look up and see where you can where you can watch it. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see, folks. Is it there? I have to pay four dollars for it. Fuck. <laughs> um. Yeah, what's your uh what's your number two? Number two, as I say, if y'all were listening to our podcast last year, we had a top ten movies of all time. And the second my second and first movies cracked the top ten. My favorite movies of all time. Uh number two is Miracle. Uh, it's Kurt Russell as Herb Brooks. Eddie Cahill as Jim Craig. You might know him from uh, CSI New York. And also he was fr- on Friends, I found out. Did not know this. Uh, he was Tag Jones 
like that very young guy that uh, Rachel dates. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I didn't know that was him until I found out recently. But yeah, it's it's a 2004 movie, and what it is is a bunch of amateur Americans, uh, hockey players, come together to compete in the 1980 um, Lake Placid Olympics. And it's just a and rather than say the reason it's so high is just because it's a ragtag bunch of Americans beating up on Soviets. And it just makes it just that alone makes me so so happy. <laughs> Two, it, I think it has uh, one of the greatest uh, commentary lines that a a commentator of a sporting event has ever said, and it's also in our intro of our podcast. It is when Al Michaels looks at the scoreboard and uh, and screams. Do you believe in miracles? And then shortly after, when the clock strikes zero, he just yells, yeah! So, it is also arguably the greatest upset of all time in sports history because it was amateurs versus professional hockey players and Soviet Union was the best team in the world. And it's it's just such a good movie. And if you haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a while, I would go give it a watch. I used uh You can you can find a gif of, of that Al Michaels call. <laughs> I I used that gif once to, to describe to to a friend that I had successfully woken up at five AM after a night out drinking with other friends to go to a dentist appointment. <laughs> After getting two and a half hours of sleep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Miracle is on my honorable mention list. I I had to have a hockey movie and I couldn't decide. I was like, oh, I've watched Slapshot more recently and I think it's hilarious, so I chose Slapshot. But yeah. I, the, the, to be quite frank, they're they're interchangeable. Um, Miracle might be my favorite. That might be my favorite Kurt Russell role. I would agree. Um, what you don't like Kurt Russell in the new uh, Fast and Furious movies, Tim? Jesus! <laughs> I said that might depend on what you think of uh, Escape from New York, or what your thoughts in general are on Snake Plissken. Um, but I think Kurt Russell is better as Herb Brooks. He nails the accent, though. I haven't seen Escape from New York. Oh, well, that's his character's name. I believe it's gotcha. also his character's name in Escape from L.A. Um, Slapshot is free to watch on Peacock. There it is, folks. Watch it on Peacock. Watch it with me on Peacock. Yep. Email us what your thoughts are on Slapshot. Kurt yeah, I was going to say, Miracle. Money. Yeah, the movie's fantastic. Um, Kurt Russell is an escape from LA. Um, is it the same premise? Uh, I haven't seen Escape from LA. I've seen Escape from New York. Escape from New York came out first. 
and Escape from L.A. came out 15 years later. Um, my number three. I mean my number two, because we're on number two. We it's, are. It's late. Um, I have uh, my my only baseball movie in my top five. I'll give you. I'll give you a shout. What, what do you think it is? Two. Oh, I think I know you're number one. I'm pretty. I, I'm certain. Okay. Um. Baseball moving your top. Is it Bull Durham? No, that's on my honorable mention list. Because I know you talked about that recently, and you're like, "This movie's really good." So Bull like, Durham oh. is a fantastic movie. The Church of the the Church of Baseball concept, followed by the uh, Kevin Costner speech about everything he believes in as a man, along with uh, yeah, Bull Durham is an excellent movie. But that's not the that's not the movie that's number two on my list. Has it been mentioned? No. Baseball movie. Is it uh um the one with Robert Redford? Not the natural. Although that is um, also a very good movie. I don't know then. As I say that those would be the two I would guess. It's not the rookie, is it? No. <laughs> okay. No. No. Then, Although, yeah, I don't that is one of the first baseball movies I did see, though. That, as I say, that is the first baseball movie I did see in theaters. Uh, is it Field of Dreams? No. Jesus, I don't know then. Although, one of my my mom's dad, one of his cousins, at one point owned he owned that farm. Did he really? Yeah, at some at one point or another. Um. Cause my, because my mom's dad is from... Well, both my mom's parents are from eastern Iowa. and My mom's mom, my grandma, is from Dyersville, which is where Field of Dreams is. She's from Dyersville. And my mom's dad is from a super small farm town called Ryan. It's one of those places where if you drive past the turn, you just go by the town and you don't even <laughs> see it. Really tiny. He grew up on a farm outside Ryan. Um, but yeah, no, her her mom's from Dyersville, Iowa, so I, I spent a decent chunk of time there when I was a kid. Um, Is it hardball? No. <laughs> no. Um, Let's say I did find out hardball does have Michael B. Jordan in it. Yep. I didn't know that. Uh, no, it's Moneyball. Really? Moneyball. Because I, I think they do, like, when it comes to, ba- like, baseball is a sport that, I, I, I like baseball more than I like any other sport. I follow it more closely than I follow any other sport. And I'm I'm a stat head. I'm not one of those crazy sabermetric people who's, like, the numbers know all, and we should only listen to those. I believe in, like... You need a balance. I believe that your slash line says most of everything you need to know about a player... But at the same time, I also see the value in measuring like FIP or OPS plus 
or your war or kind of your more intricate stats like that. Um, which FIP is the really interesting one for pitchers because it's fielding independent pitching. So it's like what your ERA would be if you didn't have to rely on players to make all these plays for you. So you take out, it's like, it doesn't include plays where like errors, well, errors don't matter because errors are not earned runs. Um, but it, it, FIP is a way of like trying to more truly measure how many runs a pitcher's responsible in responsible for on average in a given game because it eliminates the the defensive part of the equation where you have to rely on other people. Um which the disparity between ERA and FIP is usually not that great. Usually it's less than 1, but still you could go from a 3.6 ERA to a 2.9 FIP and it just looks way better. But yeah, no. The concept of Moneyball is about the Oakland A's from the early 2000s when Billy Bean... Well, Billy Bean still is their GM, but it's they, they shifted. They lost in the playoffs to the New York Yankees again. Um, and this was the season where they had... they Jason Giambi went to the Yankees. Johnny Damon went to Boston. And they also lost uh, Jason Isringhausen. And they made, as an organization, they made a commitment to, they committed kind of to the Bill James thought process of baseball where you, you kind of, you look at the numbers and you make a lot of decisions, you make a lot more decisions based more heavily off of the stats and the numbers than you do off of like the eye test. And so their big thing is like we need their big thing was on base percentage because they're like they tried to like use stats and use the numbers to manufacture the same amount of runs that they lost from three play from two players leaving their lineup and losing a pitcher. And once they kind of got it down and implemented it, it, it worked like a charm. And they set at that point, they set the American league record for wins in a row. They won 20 games in a row. That record has since been broken by the Cleveland Indians who won 22 games in a row in, do you remember if that was 2017 or 2018? Wasn't it the year they, uh, went to the world series? Uh, no, I believe it was, no, I think it was after that. Okay. Because they were out of a playoff spot, and then they won 22 games in a row, and they did make the playoffs that year. Um, but it's such a fascinating study of what – because that – that decision by Oakland and it working out so well kind of was a catalyst for a revolution that took place within baseball regarding how you determine player value and what contributions became valued, which affects contracts and pay. And it had such incredible ramifications throughout the entirety of the game. And I think they did such a great job of capturing it. The only gripe I have with the movie is they make it seem like 
they won all these games and made the playoffs because like this band of misfits like they they came together and did it the only gripe i have they don't talk about how they don't talk about how good eric chavez was people forget that miguel tejada was the shortstop of that team and miguel tejada was amazing Say they actually had a good team. <laughs> the way t- they made it sound was their team yeah. was terrible. Yes, they made it they seem... Had, or they had very good players on that team. Yeah, they made it seem like the absolute crap. And, and the thing they... Because you see Miguel Tejada at different points in the movie. Um, and also, like, Jermaine Dye. Um, but the thing they don't even talk about... They don't even talk about this at all. Um, and also people forget, Miguel Tejada won the American League MVP that year. <laughs> he hit 308, 34 home runs, and 131 RBIs. With an OPS of 861, which that would not win you the MVP now, but it won you the MVP 19 years ago. Um, but the thing they don't even touch on their pitching rotation was amazing. Who's on it? Barry Zito in his prime. Mark Mulder in his prime. Tim Hudson in his prime. Nah, Tim Hudson was in his prime in Atlanta. Tim, don't even do <laughs> but the, Those are three, like... They had three... Probably... A, I mean, I, potentially I, twenty game winners. I, I Tim Hudson went fifteen and nine that year with a two nine eight ERA. That's damn good. In two hundred and thirty eight innings pitched, it, they they had they had such a good pitching staff, and they don't even talk about it. So it's like that. That's my only gripe with the movie. Is it's like oh, you wouldn't even know. Mark Mulder went nineteen and seven. And Mark Mulder finished second in the Cy Young voting the year before. And he went 21-8. and eight. Yeah, so... It's, it's like, you you wouldn't know they had these great pitchers. Barry Zito yeah, went 23-5 and five and won the Cy Young in 2002. Who did? Barry Zito. Well, it's, it's, it's one of those that you... Like, if you're not a baseball fan, you just look at it and you're like, oh, man, they're just a bunch of misfits coming yeah. together to play baseball because of what they did. It's like, nah, man. If you actually look... If you look deeper into the movie, yeah. And it's similar, as I say, it's similar to my number one pick, in a way. Yeah. But, yeah. What's your uh, What's your number one? But before we do that, Tim, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out my honorable mentions, the okay. ones I just had listed out. Okay. okay. I had Moneyball there. Let's say it's a very good movie. Uh, I had two Rocky movies, the original Rocky, and the reason I liked the fourth one was just because it's another instance where it's America versus Soviet Union, and America wins. And I just. I love the line by uh, 
Uh, Ivan Drago, I will break you in my Russian accent. Oh, he has another most quotable line from the whole movie. He says it in Russian. It's captioned in English, but he says it in Russian. But it's the whole when the 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 guy from the government runs down there and he tells him like you need to win this fight, whatever, and he picks him up with his boxing glove on, which is so hard to do. Um, he picks him up with his boxing gloves still on, and, he, and then he like holds him up and he like looks at the crowd. He goes like, and I say, you know what I'm about to say because I say this every now and again. And he does the he's the I fight for me. He like <laughs> screams it into the crowd, and then he gets his face beaten. A uh, damn, damn straight. Um, another one I had feel the dreams. That used to be my favorite movie for a very long time when I was very young. Yeah. Uh, now it has the more sports movies I watch, the lower it gets. Not saying it's a bad movie, but it can be a little slow. Um, 42, it's about Jackie Robinson. That's a very good movie. Into the league. Chadwick Boseman, very good. <laughs> this next one I had, it deals with sports, but I had cars. I wanted to get an animated movie in, and I couldn't think of a sports one, so I put cars in there. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last honorable mention. None of these go in order, so it's not like Moneyball is six. The last one is Jerry Maguire. Uh, but my favorite... Uh, sports movie and is also my favorite movie of all time so if you guys listen to that previous podcast you might know what movie i'm gonna say it came out in 2000 it is remember the titans it is classic i would argue denzel at his best i'm just saying throwing it out there as herman boone David Faison, he's in uh, Scrubs, plays Petey, Will Patton, plays Coach Yost, Hayden Panettiere's in it, Coach Yost's daughter, and it has real young Ryan Gosling for all you women out there that are heartthrobs. You say real young, that's extremely young Hayden Panettiere, who's way older now. How young is, and now that you say that, I'm going to look that up, but yeah, as I say, it's, it's, also, Ryan Gosling's name is Alan. I just think I just think that's funny. That's like such. A... <laughs> Hayden Not Panettiere is thirty-one. So that was twenty years ago. Twenty-one years ago. Yeah, you're right. Oh yeah, she was. She was the kid. She married to Vladimir Klitschko. She was. I think they yeah. got divorced. Yeah, they. Yeah, that. I mean, of all people, <laughs> big ass Russian heavyweight fighter. <laughs> but uh, to go back to the movie, yeah, as yeah, I say, yeah, remember yeah. the Titans has also one of my favorite um, scores. Yeah. In any movie, it's just really good music. Uh, it's a it's a great story about a community that is very divided, that's becoming desegregated. So 
the people have to readjust to life and you see the you see the type of abuse that um the black athletes get in the in Virginia and it is just a good story of how sports can uh how sports can bring people together and at the end of the movie you could see that perfectly but yeah it it's it's my favorite movie of all time and i i would be hard pressed that i would ever find a movie that i will like more than it so let it rip tim let it rip uh i'll give some of my honorable mentions as well before i do my number 1 uh friday night lights Billy Bob Thornton's really good in that movie. Um, Rocky One. Um, Miracle, like I said. Bull Durham, like I said. Uh, I have Free Solo on there. Uh, have you seen Free Solo? I have not. Do you know what it's about? enlighten me it's about i think his name is alex hanold who is the best free solo climber on the oh, planet i have seen that with my brother yeah and yeah he, he, he without f- any restraints yeah or, yeah uh, you climb you climb with no 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 gear well you have gear but you don't no ropes or whatever you you're just grabbing onto the side of whatever rock face or formation you're 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 scaling the dude has kahunas and he he became the very the the it, it's it's a documentary is what it is um i believe it won an oscar um uh, it did best documentary feature yeah. um and it's about alex handel became the first person ever to free solo el capitan in yosemite which if you don't know what that looks like, go Google a picture of it. It it is basically just a vertical line straight up from the ground. Uh, it, it it had never been done before, and and if you watch the movie, they they talk about how while he was preparing and training for this, some of his friends in the free solo community were like had died while they were climbing. And the fascinating thing is, like he talks about how it's he he talks about how the only ways he's going to stop free soloing it's either going to get to the point where like his body can't handle it anymore or it's when he eventually falls off and dies or gets like hurt so badly that he can't climb which is it's so weird to hear somebody be so calm with statements like that where they're like well I either do it or I don't because it's like once you start there's no going back down you have to finish your climb and it's like so easy it could be so easy to slip and fall you fall from however far up it's like you're just gonna you're dead so it's like very stressful, but you watch like you watch this documentary and you watch him do it and he just doesn't 
he just does it and it's so fascinating because you see like the cameramen who are like harnessed in off the mountain and they're trying not to get in his way and they're just like listening to him describe in the over the course and the build up to him climbing listening to him describe like here's how you climb up like the different parts of the mountain depending on what rocks are with you here's like what you do if you want to rest and take a break here's like all the stuff i take with me to like be able to do this which is like barely anything he has like a bag of chalk and then maybe like a snack it's so i say it's so fascinating but it's stressful to watch because like you know what's going to happen because he very obviously made the climb but it's still very stressful to watch because you usually watch it and you're just like is he going to fall um but yeah it's a really good documentary but that was also my honorable mention list i it almost cracked my top five but not quite because i've only watched it the one time um my number one and um wh- what do you think my number one is since you said you know it if it's not the movie I'm thinking of, I'll actually be low-key disappointed. Uh, Jerry Maguire. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, for how long I know you, if it's not that, I'd be like, wait, what? Uh, Jerry Maguire is... My first or second favorite movie of all time. And, and it's a sports movie... In that it, the character, Tom Cruise character, Jerry Maguire, the titular character, I should say, is a, he's a sports agent um, who has a crisis of conscience. Uh, he's very high up at his at his agency, but he has a crisis of conscience and, and a, a a bit of a mental break regarding the kind of the stress that he's under to work with all of his clients and all these athletes. So he writes this memo talking about how like they should everybody should take fewer clients and they should engage more with them they should care more about them as people and all this stuff and it gets him fired from his job and he starts his own agency but only one of his clients comes with him rod tidwell played by cuba gooding jr who won an oscar for best supporting actor for this movie i i think it is far and away the best role cuba gooding jr has played in any movie he is he's so good he's so good in this movie like the the show me the money scene the show me the money where he's like he he turns on the radio and he starts dancing around shirtless in his kitchen while he's making breakfast yelling that into the phone um the uh the help me help you scene where Rod Tidwell, he comes out of the shower and Tom Cruise is like, do you want to tell? He's like, no, I air dry. So he's just walking around just butt-ass naked. <laughs> um, and, and the show me the Quan scene. Um, yeah, man. Cuba Gooding Jr. is, is so good. Um Tom Cruise is amazing in that movie. Jonathan Lipnicki plays the kid who just says random facts. Um, Renee Zellweger's in it. She's really good. She plays the love interest. Um, 
ah, it's just it's one of those movies it's it's long but every time i watch it maybe once or twice a year every time i watch it there's a part of the movie that i don't remember it's like oh i feel like i'm watching this for the first time again it's just so fascinating but it's it's one of those movies where it it has uh, would you describe it as a feel-good movie yeah for sure it has like surges of optimism and earnestness just imbued into it and 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 it i i like stuff like that because i I feel like there's a lot of things where it's kind of the premises are introspection and and kind of reflection of like self-doubt and like hard times tough moments blah 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 but it's i i like the movies where it's like more celebrations of like the really great things that happen as a result of hard work and kind of grit and grind and effort. And, and, and that is what this movie is in addition to being very funny. Um, yeah. I, I say, what, what's your favorite part of this movie? Cause I know you have it on your honorable mention list. The brain weighs, uh, what is it? Oh, the human head weighs like nine pounds. Yeah, like, it was just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's <laughs> say, I, I don't know. I, <clears throat> that's probably my favorite just because it's just like, fuck did that come from? <laughs> but, uh, uh what's your, What's yours? All time favorite scene from that movie. I don't know if I have. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have a favorite. There's a couple. Um, like when Rod Tittle explains to Jerry Maguire what Quan is. Um. the part where uh so when when tom cruise when when him and renee zellweger's characters get married todd keep it junior he tells uh tom cruise's character to have have a conversation about like why what what are your intentions for like because renee zellweger is her character is a single mom so he's like oh you should talk to her about like kind of how that dynamic's going to work like if you get married and and how how it's all going to work with like you being kind of more in the kid's life and now you you just kind of you instantly have a family um and and he doesn't do that and so Cuba Gooding Jr. pulls me to another room at, at, in the aftermath of their uh in the aftermath of their wedding and he goes you didn't have the talk did you he goes Yes, we had the talk. He goes, you know, you didn't have the talk, did you? He goes, no, I didn't have the talk. And then he looks at him. He goes, you shoplifted the pooty. And then Tom Cruise looks back and he goes, and he puts his finger in his face. He goes, I did not shoplift the pooty. <laughs> that might be my that might be my favorite scene from the whole movie. It's just that it makes me laugh every time. That's both of our top fives. Yeah. Let's say go give him a watch. 
They're all really good movies. Yeah, and almost all of those movies, if not all of them, are you can stream them. Yeah, I was gonna say they are available um, through uh, majority of the streaming services that are provided. what time it might be for Tim absolutely some bomb ass ASMR ASMR chicken the other day and it was quite good oh my god all right